This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For the cheeseheads who want it fresh, and the ones who think Lambeau is a cathedral, this is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Perry Goldstein, and I'm joined today, not as always, but I think you're reoccurring enough to have a friendly face here. It's Andy Herman of Packaday Podcast crew, the podfather, if you will, as people know you. Uh, how's it going, Andy? It's going great. Thanks so much for having me. I have uh, big shoes to fill. I'm trying my best to fill in for Maggie today, which is never an easy task. So just trying to do my 111th and do the best that I can and just get 1% better as this episode goes along. <laughs> well, I think you are going to do more than just your 111th. This is going to be very fun. And you and I are old pros of doing this together <laughs> at this point. So True story. Um, but I've, I've had you on the show with the unenviable task of trying to preview in some positive light. Actually, it doesn't need to be positive at all. Just in some analytic, objective light, this Packers-Eagles matchup. Now, I think going into this season, um, Sunday Night Football, great. We love Packers on primetime. As the season rolled along, at least at the beginning, we thought, hey, this is going to be fun. The Eagles are looking like a really good team. We love this. And then all of a sudden the Packers have tanked and the Eagles are rolling at nine and one uh, and look like they are the NFC Super Bowl favorites. So this is not going to be nearly as fun as I think we anticipated, but. Um, That's the story think? of the 2022 Packers season. Not nearly as fun as we uh, originally anticipated. That is the tagline for the Packers season. It is, isn't it? So. We're going into this. It's we're recording early because it's Thanksgiving week. Everything's super wonky. Um, haven't exactly seen an injury report yet, but assuming everything is fairly status quo, um, Rogers did go on the Pat McAfee show today to talk about his thumb a little bit. Sounds like I think they're downplaying it. Um, maybe it's for PR. Maybe it's not. But Packers are what the Packers are, and they have to go to Philadelphia. So how do they? I think the question at this point, right, is not how do they win? How do they stay competitive? Well, I think if, the, if you're looking for good news, if you're looking for a positive sign, 
the Eagles the last two weeks have looked human for the first time. They lose to the the commanders in Philadelphia, uh, 32 to 21. And the commanders really took it to them uh, running the football and really, you know, use the ball control offense, the Indianapolis Colts right there probably should have won that game. And it's not like the Colts are this, you know, juggernaut team either. Um, You know, Colts really struggling in the same vein as the Packers had been. Now, obviously they make the head coaching move and uh, they had won their game previously, but that's a game Indianapolis probably should have won as well. So um, there's, there's signs of weakness for the Eagles for really the first time. And the way that they've been vulnerable has been teams running the football on them. And we know that's the way that Green Bay has actually an opportunity to beat teams. We saw the formula against the Dallas Cowboys, a team that after this week against the Vikings and after Green Bay's game against the Titans is even more dumbfounding that the Packers were somehow able to win that game. But they did because they finally followed the formula that we all expected them to follow really from week one of the season. And it just never developed that way. So I think if you do have the opportunity to use a ball control offense to feed Aaron Jones, all the things we've been talking about since preseason week one training camp, et cetera. Um, I think Green Bay actually has, you know, an opportunity to at least make this competitive and make Philadelphia sweat a little bit. So, you know, Green Bay finally, finally, finally actually got a rest. Uh, this is a team that has been massively tired and traveling all over since the ga- the, the game in London. And they finally got a little bit of rest following that Titans game. So maybe they come out a little bit more energized. Maybe they actually follow the game plan that they should have probably been following all season long. If they do that, there's chance in this thing. On the downside, Philly's really freaking good. And you have two teams that are just on two totally different wavelengths right now. Philly added Indomitian Sue and Linval Joseph. Yeah, Joseph looked really good in his first game back. Uh, to buoy that defensive line that showed some of those weaknesses, right? So um, they're trying to, you know, get reinforcements in. They had already traded for Robert Quinn. Uh, this is a, a very, very good football team that, as you mentioned, is probably the Super Bowl favorite right now in the Bay. Just received like their eighth dagger to the heart on the season and um, are, are trying to fight, you know, figure out a way to, to turn this thing around. So it's going to be tough, but there's at least a, a game plan out there that Green Bay can follow to try to make this thing competitive. Yeah, I think it it's kind of fun. The Packers are now that team that can play spoiler. And they're, at, they're a team that I think opponents fear of being spoiler. We saw it with the Cowboys, right? Like they, they still have Aaron Rodgers. They have offensive weapons. So it shouldn't be a, seen as an easy gimme game, even though they've been kind of losing these games. But I completely agree with you, you know, the Eagles lost Jordan Davis. He's been on IR. And I think ever since then, that front has just not been as stout. Now, yes, they did do what they need to do. And they grabbed two guys who, and Doc, and is a familiar face. Wouldn't call him a friendly face, but definitely a familiar face. And uh, I'm imagining some jarring with Aaron Rodgers is going to ensue on Sunday night, but um, they, are pretty healthy otherwise all across the board. Darius Slay has been playing, uh, another familiar face here, um, has been playing really well. CJ Gardner-Johnson, who they grabbed this offseason, also thriving in this secondary. So this is a very, very good defense. It's not really going to give 
the Packers too many gimmies. They actually think until the Washington game had only three turnovers and then Washington, they turned the ball over another three times to Washington. So like their turnover differential has been great. Just like a really clean, clean team. Now it's a good thing, right? That the Packers are able to, that's a strength, run the ball. Do I think that they're going to be able to do it effectively against this defense in order to keep themselves in this game? That's to be seen, right? They were able to do against the Cowboys. They tried to do the exact same thing against the Titans and it didn't work, right? That Titans front was able to stop them and they really couldn't get anything going. So I'm not feeling great about this offense because Again, if the front can stop the run, you know the guys in the back end are going to be able to go toe-to-toe with the receivers. There's nobody really that um, is going to strike fear into their hearts. Maybe Christian Watson is going to have, you know, another building block game for himself, but they have the guys to kind of man up the Packers receivers. Like, you're looking at him and maybe Randall Cobb. Okay, C.J. Gardner-Johnson is going to be all over him in the slot, and then – who else is going to strike fear into them, right? Like Lazard, Sammy Watkins? No, we've talked about this. So I think they're like pretty well equipped to really shut down this offense unless Matt LaFleur can get a little creative. I'll be about balance and playing complimentary football. And the Eagles defense, and really this entire Eagles team, will punch you in the mouth. And this is not a Packers team that likes getting punched in the mouth. And we've seen that over and over. All you have to do is go back to the Jets game and, and Robert Sala's comments after the game of, you know, all we had to do is keep leaning on this team, leaning on this team and they're, you know, eventually they're going to break. And we've seen that on more than one occasion. And the Titans game was just another example of that. So this is not a team, you know, I think a couple of years ago, years ago, uh, Philly came into green Bay and obviously different teams, different seasons, but that was obviously a really good Packers team. And Philly comes into green Bay. It was a primetime game and Philly wins in green Bay. And that was, uh, yeah. a far worse Eagles team and a far better Packers team. And, you know, sometimes styles make fights and these are two contrasting styles. And this is a style that has given the Packers problems in the past. Now add into this losing six times in seven weeks, a team that's feeling the weight of the world on their shoulders. And yeah, I would think if you're Philly, you're going to feel pretty good that if you keep punching this team in the face, at some point they're probably going to bleed at some point, they're probably going to break. So green Bay is going to have to, again, they, they get the rest coming off the bye. That's going to be super important, but yeah, for, for Philly, I'm, I'm with you. I think this defense is going to look at the Packers offense that Christian Watson's gotten people's attention now. Right. So this is not, you know, the, the Cowboys game, it's, it's at some point you can kind of chalk up to, all right, well, this rookie who hadn't done anything all season, you know, all of a sudden went nuts and had three touchdowns, um, including a deep ball that green Bay had basically not been able to hit all season long. Dallas kind of followed the blueprint defensively that every other team used. And actually that's their, like, that's the way they like to play. Green Bay just happened to hit on some of those explosives for the first time all season. And so it'll be up to Philadelphia to make sure that they don't give up those explosives. And I'm sure Green Bay is going to obviously try to hit those to Watson again, but he, the, the, the bad news is that he's on people's radar now yeah. and he's not just going to take anyone by surprise. The good news is that even against uh, the Titans this past week, He's starting to take defenders with him down the field, and that's opening up some of those passes under the middle. We saw uh, Watkins, we saw Lazard, we saw Cobb all running open in the middle of the field at different times in that game. They didn't always convert on it, unfortunately, but we saw 
open receivers in the middle of the field, which has been something we haven't seen a ton of throughout the course of the season. So Watson's definitely playing a part in that, and that's going to have to be a, a huge key to this game as well. Yeah. And I, I mean, obviously it's going to also kind of rest on whether Aaron Rodgers hits those guys, sees them first of all, and then hits them if they're open. But that does help. That does help. I know. But I, I think to your point, right? Like, Christian Watson has put people on notice. I actually saw today that Bet MGM has him at number four for rookie of the year. Wow. Um, I know, which I find very fascinating. Um, or maybe it was offensive rookie of the year, but either way, like he's on people's radars. But at the same time, you saw him make some pretty nice contested catches as well. So even when guys are all up on him, even if the Eagles decide to man up on him, there is a shot, and and I hope Aaron Rodgers, if he sees the opportunity, takes it, that he sends him those 50-50 balls knowing that this dude with his size can actually bring them down. They're going to have to, I think, at this point in the season, like right, we think they have a blueprint. They don't really have a blueprint because it's been incredibly inconsistent, right? So I think just take the opportunities when you see them. It, again, this is a you-have-nothing-else-to-lose type of deal, so – Throw the 50-50 ball to Christian Watson, right? See if he can come down with it. Trust your guys like Cobb and Lazard and Robert Tunyon to make the plays you know they can, and then run the running backs and see if you can test this defensive front. That's all I got. So hot hot take alert uh, alert here. Um, what, what happened, what we're seeing with Christian Watson is he's actually getting open on plays that aren't where he's not been targeted. And, and hopefully what happens eventually is Rogers starts making him the primary target, right? This isn't that dissimilar to when the Packers had Jordy Nelson and Devonte Adams. Nelson was the receiver. He trusted Adams was the receiver in year three that was starting to get, I think it was year three. Um, my, my timeline might be a little bit off here, but I think it was year three um, where he was getting open consistently. And I would be watching film and I'd be like, Devonte's wide open. Devontae's wide open. Devontae's wide open. And the first read every time was to Jordy because that's his guy. There's a, this is my hot take now. There's a part of me that kind of wonders if the reason they moved on from Jordy is to be like, he's got he's to look at Adams because Adams is open on every single play. And would he have ever developed that chemistry with Adams and ever started looking his way? Rogers is a little bit slow to start going in the direction of some of his younger players. And he really likes when he's got a guy that he trusts unequivocally. So if you've got a Randall Cobb and an Alan Lazard and a Christian Watson on the field at the same time, Roger sometimes has a propensity to look towards Cobb and Lazard because he trusts them. And to somewhat understandably so, because Watson's a bit of a roller coaster right now, you don't know what you're specifically going to get on any given play. And you will see some of those rookie mistakes pop up from time to time as well. Um, that being said, this is the exact guy with the exact skill set that this offense needs at at this exact time. And um, Roger's going to have to start looking his way more. And you know what? There's going to be some plays where he's throwing Watson deep and it falls incomplete. Watson maybe didn't locate the ball. Maybe it bounced off Watson's hands. That's okay. Those home run shots, specifically to Watson, are paying off already and will continue to pay off if you continue to take them. And clearly it doesn't have to just be home run shots as well. But um, the hope is when Rogers goes back and watches the tape from this past week, he's going to see okay, Watson's getting open a lot. It's time to start making him the primary read more, even if there's times where I don't necessarily go his way. I brought this up uh, a few weeks ago with Romeo Dobbs as well. 
I would almost like to see if, if Lazard and Cobb have that level of trust, read your rookie guy first, because then you can keep eyes on him, right? Yeah. And if he immediately wins, awesome, take the shot. And if he's not, or if he's doing something wrong, or if he's cutting the, wrong, the route at the wrong angle, all right, fine. Now you can have faith and trust in the guys that you're not looking at in Cobb and Lazard, because you know what they're going to do. They probably are going to be at the right depth and the right route, seeing the same things and being in the same spot that you're anticipating them to be. So make Watson route number one. And then if you need to come back, you know, <laughs> excuse me, you know where Cobb and Lazard are going to be. So I'm just hoping that he starts uh, making Watson a, a bit more of a primary read now that we've seen these past couple weeks from him. Well, I think with the depth here, like why shouldn't you, right? At this point, it's it's not, again, like you're looking at this team very differently if you have Devonta Adams still on this Absolutely. roster, right? Because that's your number one and maybe Christian Watson is your number two. Right now, you got to let this dude who you just drafted who you want to be your number one develop into that. So, you know, maybe at this point you're thinking, well, let's treat him like that and see how he, if he, I want to say how he, because I think he will like rise to that occasion. And then you're right. You have Lazard and Cobb who in a bit of a scramble, or if they're your second and third read are more often than not going to be in the right place and potentially are going to be open. And so if Christian's not, then you go there. Um, I do like that a lot. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. I, I don't, yeah, I, <laughs> I have a hard time with this team right now because I get my hopes up every week thinking like on this show, talking about all the ways in which they could potentially go in and be competitive. And then they somehow find ways to shoot Here themselves you. in the foot. This, and, this can't hurt you anymore. It's done. Like they can't yeah, hurt you anymore. I know. It's, I know. It's like they've like we don't have to worry about uh, like what new exciting heartbreaking way are they going to find to lose in the playoffs this season? There's not going to be any of that. Like it's now you can just kind of coast the rest of the season. And yes, I'm well aware that if they win six in a row, maybe they've got a chance at this thing. Um, that's not happening. So like again, we we can just enjoy the ride from here on out for what it is. Hopefully Green Bay is able to find something that they can lean on for the remainder of this season that they can carry over into future seasons, make it not as uh, of an unmitigated disaster as the start of their, as a, the season has been up until this point, but they, they can't hurt us anymore. It's it, we've, the take <laughs> is firmly through the heart and it's over, it's done with, and we can move on. Yeah, we are. We are, we're past that. I think at this point, I mean, you and I are talking about Christian Watson so much because that those are our glimmers, right? That that's what we go into this game thinking, all right, let's see what this rook can do. He's he's our next chapter. He's the kind of exciting thing. 
But on the flip side, <laughs> I want to talk about ways to disappoint us. Uh, how many ways can this like? Is Jalen Hurts going to throw a single pass in this game, or are they just going to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball? Because this, I think the Eagles' offense is the exact nightmare situation for the Packers' defense. They have an incredible rushing attack that they stick to. They have a quarterback who can do both deep ball and rush on you. So you got to have someone who's going to be able to spy on Jalen Hurts the entire game. Um, Hopefully Quay is healthy enough because they think that's turning into kind of his role as like a spy. And then you've got pretty, uh, a pretty insane, if not like one of the best, maybe wide receiver one and twos in AJ Brown and Devonta Smith who can just beat you on pretty much any route possible. And Jalen Hurts has shown he can make those throws. So in order for this to not be a blowout, this Packers defense is going to have to stop one or the other. Yeah, no, no, totally. And this is basically a souped up Titans team, right? Because if you had troubles, I know they don't have Derrick Henry, but spoiler alert, uh, the Eagles have more rushing yards. They have 1,425 yards on, uh, and the, the Titans have 1,289 and the Eagles only have 25 more attempts than the Titans and actually have a better yards per carry on the ground. So the Eagles are a better rushing team than the Titans. They have a better, more agile, more mobile quarterback than the Titans. They have a better throwing quarterback than the Titans. They have a better receiving tight end than the Titans. They have AJ Brown, former Titan, who is by far and away better than anyone on the Titans. They've got Devontae Smith, also better than anyone that is currently on the Tennessee Titans. This is a soup. They have a way better offensive line. And I mean, Jason Kelsey, Jordan Mailata, Lane Johnson would be the three best offensive linemen on the Tennessee Titans right now at this moment. Like this is and Landon Dickerson and Isaac Samuelo are no, you know, no slouches either. Like this is a souped up better version of the Tennessee Titans and you just got steamrolled by the Titans at Lambeau Field when your season actually mattered. Yeah. Now your season, like every, like the guys are smart enough. Like they know it, the season's basically over. And now you've got a better version of that on the road on Sunday night football. And they, yeah, like it could get very ugly, very fast. So this is a very, very talented Eagles offense, and they do things the right way, very much like the, the, the Titans. They are a physical team. This, this is a new NFL this season. This is not a high-scoring NFL where you can spread people out. Now, I get the, the, the Chiefs and the Bills. That if you've got a Mahomes, a Josh Allen, you can always have an exception, right? But like the teams that are having success, and we're even seeing the Bills struggle with this to some extent. And we saw the, the Chiefs over the last couple of years at times struggle. If you're not running the football and you're not kind of playing the game the way that it's like originally supposed to be played, everything is swung back. Like everything was pass, 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 pass. Now everyone's playing two safeties deep and making sure that you can't get explosive plays down the field. And if you're not, <coughs> excuse me, if you're not able to run the football, um, it's making things very difficult. These Titans teams, these Eagles teams, like they will pound you into oblivion and they are doing things the right way. And they are having a very high level of success. And um, the, and basically the antithesis of that, trying to stay away from Aaron Jones seemingly at times for whatever reason, and trying to be a spread you out 11 personnel team. And 
these are two, again, two totally different teams on two totally different wavelengths right now. Yeah. I think the craziest thing to me about the Eagles is that they are able to cut you down in little paper cuts if they want to. They can take 10 minutes off the clock like we saw the Titans can, but they can also score a touchdown in 40 seconds flat. They can do both to you with the weapons that they have, and they do. And Jalen Hurts has really developed into a very like smart, aware quarterback, and he just takes what is being given to him. And unfortunately, the Packers are essentially giving away yards and first downs these days without any effort, <laughs> just doing it because that's what they are. So he's going to be able to do both against them. Now, I think the one thing we can expect potentially is that Joe Barry, his bread and butter, is going to try to limit the explosive plays. But unfortunately, again, like you just said, just like the Titans, Jalen Hurts is going to take what's in front of him and this team can do that. They're going to just pound you down all the way down the field. Agreed. And I have to take something back. The Titans have the better tight. I forgot Dallas Goddard went on IR. So the, the Titans uh, have the better tight end. So Green Bay catches a little bit of a break there. Uh, but other than that, this is a, a souped up Tennessee Titans team. Thank you. Thank you for that um, edit there. Okay. So this has been a little depressing. Um, I have no more thoughts on this Packers defense. I, I will say I think Joe Barry has done a decent enough job in adjustments. So maybe he can take something that we saw out of the Titans game and change it up. Like is putting Jair Alexander on either one of these wide receivers the solution? No, but – you can't go into this game with the same game plan as the Titans, because like you said, if they do, this is essentially the same team and it's not going to be a 10 point loss. It's going to be, you know, potentially 21, 28 point loss. Yeah. I think, I think at this point, and again, what we've been talking about, like, you, you know, what do you have to lose? It's like, let your guys do what they do best. Like let's, let's stop trying to out scheme other teams. Let's, let's stop trying to trick other teams. Like you, I don't care if you have to be predictable um, the Packers have faced defenses that for the past 10 weeks have been extremely predictable and they couldn't do anything against it. Go out and play your brand of defense. If you need to play press man more and need to put Jair on the opposing team's best receiver and Razul Douglas, you know, allowing him to play more press man, you know, whoever you want to put in the slot, whatever you want to do at safety, like let your guys do what they do best. Let Quay Walker blitz a little bit from, from depth, you know, let, let, these guys go out and just have some fun and play the brand of football that they want to play because I, I get why you would want to change things up. And I get why you'd want to be a little less predictable. And I get why you'd want to try to out scheme the other team it hasn't worked. And um, we saw what happened against the Titans when you try to get, just get a little bit too tricky and try to play, you know, more off coverage and like, just let those guys go out and play. And yeah. you know what we saw Jair and I, he, I don't think he was probably expecting a deep ball on the play, but we saw Jair Alexander get beat against Traylon Burks on the last play of the game in press man to man coverage. You know what, if that happens, if AJ Brown or if, um, you know, Devonte Smith beat Douglas or Jair on the outside press man, and, and they just get the best of them on a, a player two or three or four, you know what? So be it. Tip your cap and fight to see another down. And, you know, Razul Douglas, this was, I think, against the Cowboys. Uh, I could be, I could be misremembering. Razul Douglas got smoked on a double move, 
in press man coverage, just absolutely smoked. He got, it was a little out route and the guy goes up on the other side and is going right down the line. And Douglas just tackled him. The smart, like just a, a super yeah. smart play. doesn't get any publicity. You know, all you hear on the, you know, when you're watching the game, 15 yard penalty pass interference, Rizul Douglas. And I'm sure everyone's going, or like spot foul, Rizul Douglas. I'm sure everyone's going, oh, you know, pass interference, Douglas sucks. That's a freaking awesome play. He was going to get, it was going to be like a 60 yard touchdown. And Douglas just tackled him, like just grabbed hold of him, would not let go, and knew he was beat. Like you can live with those plays. I would much rather have that go out and let your guys play the brand of football that they were made to play. And if you get beat playing that brand of football, so be it. You, yeah. you tip your cap to the other team and you say, good, good job. Good effort. We'll do better next time. Well, the thing is, is that you're going to get beat anyway. This team is going it's to probably true. Right. Like this team, Devonta Smith and AJ Brown are going to beat you. So you might as well throw everything you have at them. Your best weapons in Jair Alexander, who you just paid a boatload of money to and Rasul Douglas, let them, like you said, do what they do best. Press them. Like, push them, test them. Like don't, if you're expecting to get beat, don't make it easy. At least make it difficult. At least show some fight. Let them be the dogs. You know, if you want to quote Jair on this, be the dogs that they want to be and don't make it easy on them. And like you said, you get beat, you get beat. Okay. But I feel like either way you're going to, so you might as well make it hard. Don't let them make them work for it. You know, what's crazy to me too, is like, I'm actually a fairly big believer in what modern defense is trying to accomplish. And we're seeing it work throughout the course of the NFL because offense is way, way down. And, and um, the, it's like the lowest average and I don't know how long, but it's, it's been a while. And again, basically what they're trying to do long story short, and, and I, I know, you know, this Perry, but two safeties deep limit, big plays, make you go, you know, 16 plays, 80 yards down the field. And they don't think you can do that without making a mistake on multiple occasions. And you know what, through the course of a game, we're probably going to allow a couple long drive touchdowns. You're probably going to hit a couple field goals and, but you're probably going to be somewhere between, you know, 17 to 20 points per game. And we can live with that. Like in, cause if we don't, if we don't play that way, you're probably going to get 28, 31 points and it, it's not sustainable. So we're going to allow you to make your mistakes and we're going to, we're going to allow a couple drives throughout the course of the game. It's going to happen. We're okay with that, but we need to keep you in that 17 to 20 point range. And if we do that, we're doing a really good job. I actually, from a defensive standpoint, really appreciate that thought process and can understand that thought process. However, you have to change your mindset on those on the obvious third and fives, third and sixes, third and sevens, where that that's your opportunity to get off the field. That's your opportunity to, you know, get up in the receiver's faces and play more physical and maybe come after the quarterback and actually get off the field before this develops into a 15, 16, 17 yard play. I can understand on early downs, some of these plays where you're trying to get it, you know, that they're not getting explosive plays. And I totally get as well that on a third and five, it's just as plausible that they could go out and get an explosive play. But that's also your opportunity as a deep off the field and make that your opportunity to get, either get a turnover, get a sack, get something to actually make them punt or kick a field goal, whatever it may be. So the overarching philosophy for Green Bay is not anything new. It's not anything that anyone else in the league isn't doing. I get it. I understand it. I appreciate it. But it's situational football. And to see this team against the Titans just allow 
these early, these easy third down completions and barely put up a fight or not put up a fight, that that's what has to change. And that's what's so frustrating and has happened really for, for two seasons under Joe Barry. Yeah. Well, I think if they, if they did that, this, we would be talking about this defense in a totally different way. Agreed. We, they probably would have a couple of wins under their belt as well. You're getting the offense back the ball, which in the beginning of the season, this offense desperately needed that time um, and as many drives as humanly possible. It's frustrating. And I know we've talked about this. This defense shows its flashes, right? You talk about those early downs. They play those early downs really well and they make important plays on those early downs. They get pressure, they get sacks first and second down, but none of that matters if you're converting on third down. Everything you do up until that point absolutely does not matter. So sure, this defense is playing Joe Barry's brand of football well, but does it matter if they can't get off the field? No. So at what point do you say, okay, something's got to give, something's got to change because the only down that matters is third. The other thing I'll say too, and this is systemic of offense, defense, and special teams. And if you want to boil everything down is, and I know a, a part of this is with Rashawn Gary being out because um, he, he would, I put it in this category, but this team lacks playmakers. They have good players at a variety of different positions. Jair Alexander is actually a pretty great uh, you know, example of this. And a part of it's because sometimes he doesn't get thrown at very much. And I know he'll come up with a pick every now and again, but if you want to compare like Jair Alexander to Tremont Williams in his prime, Charles Woodson in his prime, Nick Collins in his prime, those guys were consistently getting in passing lanes and picking off, picking off uh, quarterbacks. Jair Alexander hasn't really done that throughout the course of his career. He's not a guy that's going to force a fumble. He's not a guy that's going to, you know, he's, he's not what I would, typically consider a playmaker really when he's really going well, he's a phenomenal, you know, cover corner, maybe the best in the league when he's going well, but I still wouldn't necessarily describe him as a playmaker. Kenny Clark, another phenomenal example, really, really great player, uh, especially when he's going well and he will make plays, but not what I would consider a true playmaker. That's getting, you know, 15, 16 sacks. That's forcing fumbles. That's doing a lot of that sort of thing on defense. And I know Rizul will come up with some plays. He had a great interception last week. Like I would say Rashawn Gary right now is tasked with being, when he was healthy, he was really kind of tasked with being the playmaker on defense. And on offense, Aaron Jones, we're starting to finally see Christian Watson. Like those are basically your playmakers. They have nobody on special teams, which we've been documenting forever, that they haven't been able to find a playmaker that can return kicks, return punts, anything like that. And Rodgers, who was able to sort of will things as a playmaker, he doesn't have that. He doesn't have the running ability. He doesn't have the 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 arm and the accuracy that he can sort of lift everyone up and kind of make them playmakers just because he can throw people open and do the you know impossible at times. So when you lack guys that just have the ability to make plays in any given game, it, it like. The, the margin for error is so slim and you have to almost play a flawless brand of football because you're not coming up with those big explosive plays on offense, defense, or special teams. So th there are really good players throughout the course of this, this team. And again, I think Alexander, Kenny Clark, amongst others are great examples of this, but 
And even like Aaron Jones, who is clearly, I would still put in the playmaker category. This is not a four, three forty guy where you could just get the, and he's like gone in a cloud of dust or anything. Right. Like he has to work hard and you have to block some things up decently well for him to sort of get going and actually get those real explosive plays downfield. So when I look at this, when I look back at the, the 2010, and it's always, you know, never advantageous for a current team when you're comparing them to a Super Bowl winner. But when you look at that Super Bowl team, that team was chock full of playmakers. And this team just isn't. And I think when you lack that, it just makes everything so difficult because you have to grind and you have to go on those 80 yard drives. You're not getting turnovers on defense. You're not getting explosive returns on special teams. And it just makes everything so insanely difficult. That's really interesting. Okay, so I have two questions for you off of that. One being, is this something that is coaching once they get there? Is this good isn't drafting playmakers? Like, is this a combination? Like, is this a mindset thing? Because to me, I would argue with you that Jair is a playmaker. I don't think that he's been asked or been put in the position to do that this season because we've seen him get sacks on blitzes. We've seen him make tackles after tackles for losses. Like we we've seen him get in there. Um, I'm wondering if this is like a, a draft and develop issue within the Packers. Like what do they do about this? Because you're right. The margin for error is slim. And we've seen this season, you know, a bounce here and there, a call here and there. And all of a sudden the Packers are, you know, they're bad. I'm, I'm not saying that, but they've maybe won some of those games in the past, whereas they're losing all of them now. And it's just become more glaring that they really don't have a margin for error. So how do you do you have to fill that? Now you have to just look at this roster and say, OK, how do we fill this or how do we get guys in here to coach them up to be playmakers? Yeah, the first thing I'm just going to to Jair really quick. This is this is fifth season, but basically like four seasons full of games because this isn't the full season. And last year he only played four games. But and, and I do agree with you to some extent that um, you have to be put in a position to be able to make plays. But basically four full seasons now, his career on his career is eight interceptions, two forced fumbles, one and a half sacks. Like that's a like that's a bad Charles Woodson, like or maybe like an like an average season um in his prime when he was making play and again that's comparing to a hall of fame one of the greatest of all times in charles woodson but i'm just going to like tremont williams would have you know six seven interceptions in a season you know that 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 wasn't a rare thing so uh, again i'm not necessarily disagreeing that he's not always put in a position and teams do not at least in the past had not generally thrown his way a ton for obvious reasons so i I, again i'm not saying that he's uh i'm not saying that i disagree with you but um aiden fumbles one and a half sacks on his career so far isn't necessarily playmaking numbers and, and to your, yeah. your question specifically um from uh is this a, a draft and develop or uh, is this a gutekunst issue i mean first of all it, it's not always easy to find playmakers um so you you have to do that and they just had Devonte adams who trade you know requested to be traded and he was one of the the playmakers in football which really buoyed this offense obviously in more ways than we even possibly imagined um and even if you look at a lot of the home run players that have, have been on this team, Aaron Rodgers was a Ted Thompson pick. Um, David Bakhtiari was a Ted Thompson pick. Devontae Adams was a Ted Thompson pick. Aaron Jones was a Ted Thompson pick. Kenny Clark was a Ted Thompson pick. Um, you've got basically Gary and Jair who have been 
um, his, his home run swings, those were his, the, the two years where he had top 15 picks. I know he traded out uh, a little bit on Jair, but like you're supposed to get home runs when you're picking in the top 15. So I do think it's a bit of an issue where you've got you've to find a way to get those playmakers. You can't just um, hope that you're getting a top 15 guy and that you can bring that in every year. You're hoping to not pick in that range every year. Um, but yeah, they, they just got to do a better job of identifying that. Well, looks like they're probably going to be in that range this year. So hey. maybe we'll get ourselves a playmaker in the offseason. Um, I mean, should be perfect. Exactly what they need. Before we wrap up, I'm very curious what your score prediction is for this game. Um, I'm going to say 31-17 Packers. I'm not usually like a tradition – or sorry, 31-17 Eagles. That's really funny. 31-17 Eagles. Um, I'm not usually a traditional like this is an obvious score, like a 31-17 is like a very obvious score line. Um, but I'm going to say 31-17 Eagles. I think, I think the Eagles are going to be able to move the football. I think they're going to get some touchdowns. They're playing in their all – they're all blacks. I think they're it's Sunday night football. I think they're going to score some points against this Packers defense with no Rashawn Gary. And uh, I think the Packers have found some ways to get some explosive plays and actually get some touchdowns. I think they'll get a couple. I think they'll convert a field goal, but I'm going to say 31, 17 Eagles. When you said Packers, I think my jaw hit the floor. Um, my score prediction was going to be 34, 17. I'm in the same camp as you just, this Eagles team is all around top to bottom, a better team. They're playing better. They're playing more physical. They're well coached. They don't make mistakes. I, I think the only way the Packers stay in this is if they capitalize on some Eagles mistakes, if they make them, which is never a good recipe. Um, so I think it's going to be an unfortunate Thanksgiving weekend watch for some Packers fans, but let's hope for some fun. Christian Watson, uh, moments and just get out of there alive. The the funny thing is, is I've been picking like basically since I started the podcast, I've been picking the Packers almost every single week through the entirety of my time covering the team. It's so ingrained in me, but I'm just like, yeah, whatever the score is and that it's still weird for me to, to not pick against them. And for the most part, those predictions were always right over the course of the time covering the team. So uh, it's still a little bit of an adjustment to be picking against them as often as we have, unfortunately have had to this season, uh, but yeah, I, I do think really quick, I do think there's there's still fun things to watch on this team, and specifically this rookie class, right? Like, um, and I know Dobbs is out right now, and I know Zach Tom isn't necessarily, you know, playing because they're actually healthy on the offensive line. But this rookie class, uh, even Devontae White in limited snaps, put some pretty decent stuff on tape uh, these last handful of weeks. So uh, the Quay Walkers, the Devontae Wyatts, the Christian Watsons, Dobbs when he comes back, Tom when he actually gets in the game, J.J. Nigbare. Um, th this draft class has been very promising so far, and that's a really fun group to keep an eye on and kind of keep cheering that um, they continue to develop as the course of the season goes along. I could not agree more, and I'm glad for them because it gives us some fun and happy things to watch when, even while they're losing. Um, I'm with you. I always it's it's a weird time, uh, especially when you go into a lot of games expecting the Packers to lose. It's just very feels unnatural. Um, I think it shows how spoiled we have been to be rooting for a team that just always kind of gets the benefit of the doubt in the win category, but um, onwards and upwards, Andy, thank you so much for coming on as always. You're one of my favorite people to chat with before we go uh, tell the people if they're not following you, that would be kind of wild, but where to follow you and where to find your work. Yeah, appreciate you, Perry. Uh, you're the absolute best. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. And love doing these with you guys. And hopefully, once Maggie's back, we can uh, hang out again.
Yes, would love that. Um, as always, you can follow me at Perry underscore Goldstein. You can follow the podcast at PWSS Podcast on Twitter, Pax What She Said on Instagram and Twitch. We will be back after Thanksgiving, after this game, to do a recap show. TBD on who will be joining me. Maybe it'll be Mama Loney. Maybe it will be a fun guest. Uh, you just are going to have to wait and see. Um, if you're listening to this before Thanksgiving, I hope you all enjoy your holiday with your family. And uh, as always, go pack up. Go pack up.